0: For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and welcome to the latest readout video from our Wednesday Wake Up newsletter, and hello to our friends in Australia, who we hope are coping with the unseasonably cool weather brought to them by global warming. This week our newsletter starts out by observing that looming energy shortages in California are a kind of reality thing that can't be brushed aside by insulting people as deniers. And in the end, despite all the heated rhetoric, including misleading claims about who's getting all the funding, the tortoise of truth will defeat the hair of confusion and abuse here, as it usually does. For instance, creating energy shortages in places as wealthy and energy rich as California, or Texas, demonstrates to the public that much that's being said about alternative energy is untrue. Not to mention various claims that if we had less energy, we'd actually live healthier, happier lifestyles. Those claims are being exposed as callous and hypocritical, as well as false. But enough of Earth. Let's visit Jupiter, especially as we're all mighty sick of lockdowns. Quantum Magazine just reported that, quote, Jupiter and Saturn should be freezing cold. Instead, they're hot. Researchers now know why, end quote. And it's a bit much, though it's typical of our times, that the story would claim that after nearly half a century of confusion since the first Voyager flybys, someone just showed a and now they know all about how solar wind interacts with Jupiter's and Saturn's own magnetic fields. Which, incidentally, are generated not like our own from a rotating liquid nickel-iron core, but from hydrogen squashed so ferociously by gravity that it loses its electrons and turns metallic. Which is very cool. Now, you may think we're lost in space here, or making hip references that are desperately out of date, because these planets are far away and hard to get to and really dangerous, so of course we know less about them than our home planet. But it's odd that researchers and experts are always saying, or journalists, activists, and politicians are always saying they're saying, that we do know exactly why Earth was doing whatever it just did, although somehow we didn't know it was going to happen until it happened. But it seems that the science of planetary climate overall is, like all science, actually subject to revisions. In fact, the story blurts out that, quote, Earth's northern and southern lights aren't yet completely understood, though it hastily adds, but the basics are clear, end quote. But before abandoning the final frontier, I want to remind you that a few news stories about 20 years ago reported evidence of warming on various other bodies in the solar system, including Mars and Triton. And if Earth and Mars are warming at the same time, and scientists say on Earth it's all due to humans, but on Mars it's natural, then it means they must claim to know exactly why Mars is doing what it's doing too. Until next time. And now, a word to our sponsors. And that's you. Because the Climate Discussion Nexus is dependent on your support to make our videos, produce our newsletter, and feed the cat. Please subscribe, share it with your friends, and make a monthly pledge. Meanwhile, beaming back down, we find that there's a surprising amount of new stuff being discovered here on Earth as well. Judith Curry, for instance, points to a Washington Post piece about peat, saying, quote, "...an enormous missing contribution to global warming may have been right under our feet," end quote. Now, of course, when it comes to climate science, even if it's not settled, it is settled that any new discovery must make things worse. So, quote, long before the era of fossil fuels, humans may have triggered a massive but mysterious carbon bomb lurking beneath the Earth's surface, A new scientific study suggests. If the finding is correct, it would mean that we have been neglecting a major human contribution to global warming, one whose legacy continues, end quote. Yeah, if. And in that case, it also means a bomb went off and we missed it. So when was it again, and how bad? You see, part of the slipperiness of alarmism is shiftiness about when man-made warming started. The Post seems to think it was, quote, long before the era of fossil fuels, end quote, which must surely mean before Standard Oil got so big it was the target of antitrust legislation back in 1890. And indeed, the story claims that converting peat to farmland has released, quote, almost 10% of the carbon that humans have emitted by burning fossil fuels since 1850." So man-made warming started in 1850? The end of the Little Ice Age was artificial? Some alarmists think so, including Zeke Hausfather. Which is odd since the world's been warming since 1700, long before CO2 started to rise at all. But it's hard to investigate and debate this notion of a handoff from Mother Nature to Big Oil unless we have some idea when it supposedly happened. And by the way, Climatism, some years back, reproduced an indignant 1871 Paul Mall Gazette item about fools who claimed humans had changed the weather, including causing more droughts. Plus a change. But if they don't know what's happening, they sure know what to do. Yet another piece says, yeah, we're approaching a tipping point, and if you don't change your ways, government will lock you down, because the private sector can't solve this one. Government must reshape capitalism and our social habits in more docile ways, directed by professors and politicians. You know, basically all the same stuff we've been hearing since at least the 1920s, including wanting, quote, an entrepreneurial state that innovates, takes risks, and invests alongside the private sector, end quote. Yeah, that sure worked well in the 1970s, when the problem was overpopulation or resource depletion or some such, and in the 1930s when it was unemployment, and it will doubtless work brilliantly in 2050 to resolve whatever crisis then looms. Again, plus a change. Though speaking of change, Shortly after the International Energy Agency's famous, or infamous, set of demands to get rid of fossil fuels, Mark Milkey observed a very different message from a famous international body urging seedy or nasty regimes to crank up oil production. And who might these irresponsible planet-trashing deniers be? Why, it's the IEA. But if the climate debate's giving you a headache, relax. The New York Times assures you it's over this time for sure, quote, for years, Young Republicans have been telling their party that the GOP's denial of climate change was unacceptable. Party leaders are finally starting to listen." End quote. Oh, really? And here, we thought the governor of Texas just signed a bill into law saying the state would divest from firms that divested from fossil fuels. But still, the voice of youth, uncontaminated by experience, echoes through the halls of the Times and the BBC, which says young people subjected to endless doom and gloom from uh, the media are suffering a mental health crisis and need empowering support which, just possibly, they'd be more likely to find in the GOP than the BBC. We also bring you a serious racket thanks to diatoms, these single-celled algae organisms that make up nearly half the living matter in the ocean. Despite being able to talk, chirp, or anything else, they tell a story because they're used as proxies for sea surface temperature and ice cover. And it turns out, researchers had assumed that three different diatom species could be lumped together, but actually they respond differently to ice and temperature variations, and when you de them, it suggests that the northern North Atlantic Ocean has cooled and gained ice cover since the 1960s? Say what? As usual, we also bring two studies courtesy of CO2Science.org, both this week about urban heat islands. One looked at the tendency of UHIs to affect land surface temperature as well as near-surface air temperature at three sites in North China. And sure enough, the rural stations show cooling since 1965, where the urban one shows warming. The other study set out to confirm the IPCC's 2001 claim that urban heat islands were a local phenomenon of no importance to global trends, but found instead that at least in various western Mediterranean cities, the reverse appears to be true. Now, of course, if climate science were real science, its champions would be keen to probe potential weaknesses in their data rather than hiding them. And if that's how you think they should be proceeding, please subscribe to our videos and newsletter, share them, and support us so that we can keep saying it and maybe someday afford to make a trip to Jupiter's liquid metal hydrogen, or at least to the Great Barrier Reef to see how it's doing. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson.